0: Some people helped me as a stranger, some people helped me as a patient, some people helped me as a family member, and they all were selfless in it. It blows my mind how good people have been throughout this, and focusing on pain that happened to me would just not be the truth. It would be the slightest fraction of a bigger story.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear from thought leaders in a wave of goodness and progress well underway around the globe that almost no one knows about. This podcast will give you hope for the future, and along the way, our guests will give you no end to the practical tips on how to see possibilities and great potential all around you. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of everwideningcircles.com. Since 2014, at Everwidening Circles, we have written thousands of articles about insight and innovation going uncelebrated. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with the world. Today, we're going to meet Stephanie Schaefer. Steph has an extraordinary life story already. And she's just 25 years old. She has been to the edge of life, almost crossed over and back again and ready for whatever is next. And I'm here to share her remarkable message, or better yet, let her just (laughs) fill the room you're sitting in with light right now. She's got such a message of possibility and hope for the future. And She's also going to show us how to make a full house out of any hand that you're dealt. So Stephanie, welcome. I'm so glad that you're joining us on the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me, Dr. Linda. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you and see where we end up today.
1: Great. I, I know it's just going to be a journey. Yes, we, we haven't planned this too much at all, so we're just going <laughs> to see where it all goes. So Steph. You know, I gave a little bit of an introduction there, but help me further introduce people to how how you and I come to be talking together today.
0: Right. So I think it was about a year ago that we met through a family member of mine, happens to be a friend of yours, but the reason we connected, I think so well is because, you know, I was in an accident in 2018 where I was, went from a normal life, I guess, that would insinuate that this isn't a normal life, <laughs> but um, went from just you know the average lifestyle to waking up a month later in a hospital room, suffering amputations, paralysis, and so much more. And I think somewhere along the way, I decided to make the best life out of my new circumstances, and that's where we really connected on that was finding positivity and everything. So it has been wonderful knowing you, and that is how we've gotten to be friends.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephanie and I were comparing notes that it was almost the day (laughs) a year ago that we were sitting in your uncle's living room having a great old time and then the (laughs) pandemic hit. Yes. And you've since had a bunch more surgeries and you really, at least I I think you're pretty much out of the woods on that line.
0: Yes. So two and a half years later, we are out of the woods. (laughs)
1: And you're ready to take on the the world of public speaking. And as I've mentioned, Stephanie really does have quite a way with words and she is going to be a beacon as time goes by. And I'm so excited to catch her (laughs) at this stage because, whoa, (laughs) we can use some light in these times, Steph.
0: Yeah, we certainly could. And that's definitely where we've been seeing eye to eye is that despite everything, you know, pandemics, all the problems and hardships and challenges that are so prevalent in news and everything going on, but it's still a great world. It just depends on what you look for and what you surround yourself with.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, here on the, the, uh, the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, <laughs> we talk about the goodness all around us in a way that is really based on a perspective. I mean, we can find opportunity in, in disaster, all of us. It's it's just about what we look for. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get into all that real deep in just a few minutes, but I want you to give people the kind of Reader's Digest condensed version of what happened to you. And then okay. we'll we'll start with a lot of the things that you've learned.
0: Yeah, of course. So like I said, I was on vacation. I was in the Bahamas with my family, trying to escape the Vermont winters that seemed to never end and get some sunshine. And I went on a tour boat that actually exploded underneath the very seat that I was sitting on. So, it was sort of shocking to everyone that I had survived. I was taken from two hospitals on the Bahamian Islands and made it back to Southern Florida, where I spent one month in a coma. I woke up to a body that was unfamiliar, a world that was unfamiliar, mentally feeling like myself, but entirely confused he my new reality in front of me. And that took me on a five-month journey of being inpatient in hospitals. So
1: (laughs) I never could tell my story with with that much brevity and clarity. Good job. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Life can be so complex so quickly. Yes. So Steph, you woke up what you went through, I read, uh, re- Steph has written a book, by the way, everyone. Yes, And it's not published yet. But I was, I, I was fortunate enough to read a, a first draft, just started reading it this weekend. Steph, I didn't realize that when you woke, well, you didn't wake up, you were, you were in a coma for a really long time. But yes, there were the kind of injuries you sustained are exactly like people suffer in war.
0: Yes, that's exactly what my surgeons compared it to.
1: Yeah. Give us some rundown of all the combinations.
0: Yeah. So I had suffered a traumatic brain injury. I had suffered a spinal cord injury, now classifying me as an incomplete paraplegic. I had suffered bilateral leg amputations, internal bleeding of many of my organs. I had gone into kidney failure from extreme blood loss, broken. I'd broken both my arms, shattered both my wrists. I was left with what felt like no limbs for months on end, basically being carted around on a stretcher, unable to, you know, I felt mentally like myself, but there were these new, brand new sort of gaps in my mind that I, I had never been used to before. It was searching for words, realizing that not only had my body changed, but that my mind had changed and, you know, not being able to speak for a long time due to, Confusion, medications, a tracheotomy tube. I mean, I had been. It was very complex. It was, you know, for a long time. My family was given a percentage on if I was going to survive or not. So, when we did wake, when I did wake up, it was sort of just, well, this is what it is now. You know, we're lucky that she's here. So let's just focus on what we do now.
1: And you did have an amazing support network. Yes. Even from sort of minute one, wasn't an aunt that was with you? Didn't she have some background in healthcare that helped you survive in the moment?
0: It was actually a family friend. So we it was my family and another family that had gone on vacation together. And she worked as a personal trainer. So she had some knowledge of the human body. She had served in the United States army, I believe. And she, so she had some survival knowledge and between her and my family, they were able to save my life. But if she hadn't been there, I certainly would not be here today.
1: Yeah. So there's, you know, woven through all your story is a lot of serendipity here and there. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's moments where, where, you know, you, you turn things turned right and you could have turned left and it changed the outcome. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I certainly wasn't able to make decisions at that time. And my mom who was with me, she was her also, you know, my entire family was on the same boat that I was. So it sort of depended on where we'd all been seated on how, what level people were able to help me. But I am grateful beyond belief that's, Certain people had chosen certain seats that allowed them to not be injured to the extent where they could help me, and it's incredible to think that the choosing of a seat is basically what impacted my entire story, my entire life. Very strange how one choice, you know, can be so important.
1: Yeah, and the and the woman that was sat next to you, she did, par- uh, she did die, right?
0: Yes, there was one couple behind me, and they were the only other group on the boat, and we think of them nonstop. We grieved for them. You know, we we just wish that you know, we, we we did try to help them. My family did try. So, we take a little bit of comfort in that, but it is just tragic.
1: Yeah. So, here we are. Yes. And and life is is so full of struggle and maybe it's our maybe it's all of our calling to make it w- one day after another, putting one foot in front of the other, right mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, exactly that's all you can do
1: well, you know, I tell you what we're gonna talk about next uh, so that's that's the story that's the story. Yes. We're not gonna <laughs> dive deeper much into that because <laughs> the really precious part for everyone starts now. it's all the things you've shared with me, and I'm sure you're gonna pop out with more that that we haven't <laughs> ever chatted about but so let's just tick off a little list of things that I, I like to point to in the world that I think you've probably had some brush up against through this. So the first thing is that I love to talk about is that we all have the option to be kinder than we need to be. Yes. Moment after moment in our lives, we can be kind. And that's, that's certainly lovely, better than the alternative, but kinder than we need to be is a whole nother level. So talk to me about your experiences with that.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a part of my life now. That phrase for you know so long now, it sort of carried me through, I think. It started with other people around me, and I think eventually became a part of me also. I mean, I think to the people that saved my life, and not just in the medical way, but In the things they said to me and the actions that weren't part of their job description, but that they did anyways because they were being kinder than they needed to be. And it was those moments that I think picked me up. You know, it was when a nurse would find me, you know, literally with my head underneath a pillow because I just couldn't even face that day ahead of me. And they would just sit by my bedside and say the perfect phrase that I needed them to say. Or it was, the nurse who brought home my family's laundry because we were in an unfamiliar city and we didn't have, you know, we didn't know where a laundromat was. We had no clean clothes. We had a suitcase that we'd packed to go on a one week vacation. And we ended up in the hospital for five months. And we had this one nurse who would take their laundry home and wash it and bring it in folded the next morning. And I mean, it was those small actions that took away some of the anger took away some of the grief, distracted me from the pain because they were making a bigger difference than I think even they realized. And I think that helped me eventually be kinder to myself and to other people as well. I think we need to not only be kinder than we need to be with other people, but we need to be kind to ourselves and those thoughts we have, if if they're not kind to, our, to ourself, then that is a problem, (laughs) you know, that's, that's where you get stuck. So when you're able to turn your inner thoughts into kindness, that's when you can make some real progress.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. There's a little snippet of what you just said that I also would love you to comment on. You know, I get interviewed by news media a lot because I, you know, I'm a global media uh, positive media person. That's so (laughs) rare. (laughs) And one of the things I found myself saying a lot through December and January as we started the new year, people were asking me what what I thought we should be doing. And and I want you to comment on this. I would say what we give our attention to expands. Yes. So we need to choose very carefully what we give our attention to. And I think something you just said is a through line. Tell me, talk to me about that.
0: I think... Especially in today's world, you know, with social media and, you know, or basically our entire world surrounding us at all hours of the day through our phones, through the internet, everything, what we, what we choose to pay attention to is what we'll think about and what we might become, you know, focusing on the good rather than the bad allows you to step into that area of your life rather than focusing on the negative thoughts. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, do you have any great examples of, do you remember a crossroads or a moment where you figured that out and you said, you said, Oh, I got some, I have some agency here. Tell do you have anything like that? That just comes to mind?
0: Yeah. With the being kinder than we need to be area. Either one. Yeah. With that, it was being angry about what had happened to me because I know I've told you before, but I was laying in the hospital and, I was handed legal documents about why why this had happened and how it could have been avoided. And it made me <laughs> so angry for a long time. And then I had to ask myself this one question, which I ended up asking myself over and over and over again throughout this time period in my life. I said, is this who you want to be? Is this how you want to feel? and no, I did not want to be the angry, hateful person that I could see myself becoming. So I said, I need to I need to change this. And so I had to change my inner thoughts around first. So I said, okay, why do we think these choices that could have been avoided were made? And I came around to an understanding that, you know, that maybe that's just how things, you know, maybe I had taken things for granted, you know, maybe he had been in a position where he needed to make that decision. And I came around to a place where I was able to find forgiveness instead of hatred. And that was the most freeing state that I could get to, I think. Yeah.
1: You know, there are some very wise thinkers across history who have pointed out to us repeatedly and in different ways that anger makes us a prisoner.
0: Yes, exactly. Very often the person
1: who we're angry at has no idea. (laughs) they're not being hurt by things at all
0: Mm -hmm. yeah you need to free yourself from that you need to focus on what you do have you need to work through the anger whether that be on your own or through talking to other people and you need to come to an understanding where you're more empathetic than you are angry
1: Mm -hmm. lovely do you remember a time when you thought to yourself that the life that you were headed towards may not have been that great and that this was definitely going to be <laughs> a, a direction lead you in a direction you would have never had an opportunity to, to, tell, tell us a little bit about yes. <laughs> this, this, who you were, cause you were 22, right?
0: At college? I was 22. Yeah. So yeah.
1: There's a part in the book I'm referring to, like you said, you know, on maybe a family occasion or a Thanksgiving or whatever, you'd head out to be with your friends. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Um,
1: Give us a little picture because you're sounding like a sage here, but I'm not sure that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if we step back before the accident even happened, I was a completely different person. I mean, the changes that happened were physical changes, but I feel like a totally different person. And that's, those changes aren't because of what happened to me, right? Those, what happened to me caused me physical injuries, but how I reacted to what happened to me, how I grew from what happened to me, that is what created the real change. Before I got hurt, I was a person who constantly stayed in my comfort zone, who very rarely challenged myself, who applied to the colleges that were, I knew I would get into, (laughs) who chose a major i didn't even really wasn't my top choice but i knew that i could do well in <laughs> so i stayed in that this is where i'll do okay or well this is the life that i know is safe i was quiet i was shy i did not challenge myself i mean it's really that simple and i was sort of just a typical 22 year old you know i spent my weekdays in school and at a part-time job and then my weekends going out to the crowd, most crowded bar i could find you know so to wake up and realize that sort of everything i knew about myself was gone was at first devastating i mean i was I remember asking myself all the time like who am i now you know i used to just be the easygoing mild-mannered friend to spend time with and now i was the friend you could visit in the hospital. <laughs> and then I had to ask myself, well, who am I going to become? <laughs> and it was this huge opportunity. This, I mean, every single day I was challenged. I mean, every moment of every day for a long time. I mean, I told you I couldn't even sit up. I mean, I everything was a challenge. And I realized how rewarding it was when you did something that didn't come easy or that took a few tries. And at first, it was it was terrible for me because I was so embarrassed all the time. I had these you know people that I had just met that you had to work so hands-on with, you know physical therapists and occupational therapists and everybody's sort of studying my every move. And then I realized, when I watched their reactions and I felt my reaction to when I finally got it right, it was all worth it. you know, nobody was focusing on the times that I hadn't gotten it, right? It was just. It feel everything is more rewarding when it doesn't come easier. And that was something I had never really allowed myself to figure out before this. So this life, it it's different. It's certainly not what I would have chosen. But there's days where I'm glad that it happened. You know, as crazy as that sounds, because of who I've become and what I've seen and who I've met.
1: That's absolutely lovely. Tell me some of the good, the good people that you've met. You know, I always, I like to say goodness can be viral too. Tell me mm-hmm. tell me about some of these folks.
0: I think, you know, my, my family and I have said throughout this whole entire process, the perfect people have come into our lives at the perfect time. It has been pretty much nonstop, the right person coming in right when you needed them, whether it be a doctor, a nurse, person from my small hometown that I hadn't known before. It's always the person that can... Help you in the task you're struggling with or can say the right thing or can be there at the moment that you need. So there's countless people that I'm thankful to know now that I would have never known.
1: Yes. You know, it is really, really important for us to realize that that a kindness that or or a word or a sentence or a share or that uh, that we might have can make such an impact on others Mm -hmm. in my in my professional life patients are always saying to me you know I just gotta thank you that one time you said that thing to me and I won't remember it it's Mm -hmm. like a lollipop moment to them but I I won't remember having said that and it has always made me very appreciative that you have to be super present Mm -hmm. to be able to do that for others and I bet you came across people who weren't distracted they weren't just going through the motions they were just truly helpers
0: yes I remember one particular is- instant, I was having a very bad day in one of the first hospitals that I was in. And it was actually my nutritionist <laughs> who came into my room. And she just sat there for a minute. And I was sobbing beneath my pillow. And I said, I'm not doing physical therapy today. I'm not doing occupational therapy today. I'm staying right here <laughs> in this bed. And she looked at me straight in the eyes. And she said, you're allowed to have Bad days, you're allowed to be sad, but when it starts getting in your own way, then it's a problem. And I was like, okay, I'm going to physical therapy, you know. And I think about it all the time when I'm having a hard time. I'm like, okay, but this is getting in my own way. I need to, I need to do something about this now.
1: Uh, That is such a great, you know, that's such a great little insight for us all to ponder in these times that are so unpredictable. Like, I think we can all, we, we definitely are allowed to be angry about the pandemic mm-hmm. and the chaos that it's caused in our lives or for our children. But when it we allow it to get in our way, that's a whole different matter.
0: Yes. Like, if you're allowing it to ruin a relationship, or if you have something so important that you need done, and you're not doing it because you're having a bad day, <laughs> granted, we all have bad days, and that is... More than okay, we're allowed to push some things to the side and say, I'm just not in the mental capacity right now. But we have to know when we're allowing that, when it's not necessary, you know, when we're capable of pushing through and we're not because we're wallowing or, you know,
1: that is such a great way to say it when we're capable of pushing through, but we're not, we're wallowing in it. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) yeah, and we have to, I mean, we have to know the difference when. When we truly need a day for our mental health, when we truly need to just say, "I can't be around people today. I need, I need a moment." And we have to know: Do I really need this moment, or am I granting myself time that I don't truly need? Will I feel better if I get up and accomplish something? You know, because did laying in bed that day make me feel better? No. Did getting up and going to physical therapy and working on my recovery make me feel better? Absolutely.
1: there's this great article that we wrote several years ago called the Navy seal 40% rule. And I'm paraphrasing of course, but I guess in the the world of Navy seals, there, there's, there's this concept that you always have about 40% more in the tank that you don't realize you have. Mm. What what do you, what do you think on that, on that particular number?
0: I think that's very true. I think we, I think we always have a, tendency to underestimate ourselves. I know that I always had before this, I know saying to someone one time at the beginning, if somebody had told me this was going to happen to me, this is not the reaction I would have pictured, right? I would have pictured myself depressed for years. I would have pictured myself laying in bed, truly wallowing (laughs) all the time. I would have not pictured facing these hardships that I've come to see. And that's, it's led me to so many positive realizations, you know, knowing that we're stronger than we ever tell ourselves even that we are, I think we can't really realize our potential until we're being challenged. And that I think is the beauty of a challenge. It's that the goal of life isn't to avoid challenges. It's to sort of step into them because then we see who we have the potential to be, not who we are when we're safe and we're comfortable, right? So was I living up to my potential when I wasn't ever leaving my comfort zone? No, I wasn't because I can see that I'm just now even progressing from that. And that's because I am constantly being challenged. And I think there's a real beauty and a real positivity in a challenging life. You know,
1: and you really have some exposure to to getting this right, this message, because I was aware of it. Tell me if I have this right your first few surgeries after the amputations didn't go well. So you just keep having to have the same surgery over and over. Tell us Mm -hmm. how you got yourself through that.
0: Oh gosh. I I had my last surgery three and a half months ago and I just actually healed last week. (laughs) So I, you know, was having this surgery. I think I had the same surgery three times and it didn't work. And I was going through the recovery. I was going through, you know, Having anesthesia and a surgery, it takes a toll on your body and then you recover from it and you're hopeful and then it doesn't work. And I just kept doing it. It's like, I have to get this right. I have to get this right. And then my surgeon said, we can do this other surgery. I haven't mentioned it to you because it, it it's it's big. And I was terrified, but I said, okay, you know, we're going to try it. I knew that he had my best interest at heart. I knew clearly what we were doing wasn't working. And I was terrified because if this big surgery didn't work like all the others had, I was going to go backwards. I was going to lose more of my leg. And I just thought about the option and I decided to go through with it and it worked. And I realized that it was facing that fear that will put me leaps and bounds ahead of where I was before. We even went though it had the potential to set me backwards, but it was facing it going into it with the knowledge that i had the right surgeon the right attitude the right time frame to heal and going into it informed and just ready
1: and you know something you mentioned there is pretty important to remember when you're going through something that just seems like it just keeps hitting you over and over again or you know mm-hmm. just you just can't seem to get out of the cycle so just correct me if i'm if i'm right so this was this surgery that they were trying to preserve some of your leg, right below the knee, both legs.
0: Um, my left leg, yes. On I, your left
1: leg. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, do you have both? You have you have both knees. Um, I started with when I think when I met you, I had both the knees. Yeah, yeah. I had to do an above knee amputation on my right leg, which was the hardest decision I've ever made, but has again put me ahead of where I would have been before.
1: So there, 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 there it is, right? Yeah you didn't tell yourself a whole bunch of negative stories about all the bad stuff. You probably Mm -hmm. had some good people in your life that had helped you look at it with clarity about the, well, let's say, sure, there was a possibility of things going wrong, but you were really looking at the, your odds were better with the decision you chose, right? Yes. Cause we, we tend to do that. We humans, you know, if we've got a choice, we're set adrift at sea. And we know there's a really near island, but somebody tells us a story about there's cannibals there. <laughs> now, we'll actually listen to that story and not go to that nearby island, mm-hmm. whereas the opposite direction is thousand miles. And we'll, we'll try and make that run of a thousand miles rather than even though it's a good chance the cannibals aren't there. Yes, We'll listen to the stories that are, are, we're telling ourselves that are the most horrifying mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of the ones that are more probable or less mm-hmm. probable, right? Right. So you were playing the probability game. Yes. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. You take in what you know, you consider all your options, you sort of envision both outcomes, and you decide which one you think is right for you. I think that's...
1: Yes. So rather than just constantly, talk talk to us a little bit about, because what I'm referring to is, is well, actually, you know what? We have to take a break. This is a great time to take a little break. I, I love this conversation so much, but I, I, I want to talk to you about the stories we tell ourselves, our head talk. And I know you've got some great tips on on that. So let's, let's take a break. We're going to take a break and I'm going to tell you a lot about a phenomenal platform that Ever Widening Circles has just launched that may be exactly what you need. If I mean, you and the biggest scope of everybody listening to this podcast. If you're someone who's trying to do good in the world and you want a better future, let me take a break and I'll tell you about how we can connect in a place built just for that. Do you thrive on learning from and collaborating with others for the good that's in the world and becoming a better version of yourself, both personally and professionally every day? We have built something just for you. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network. You can be a part of the first networking platform that prioritizes personal and professional growth as we work together to make the world a better place. The Conspiracy of Goodness Network is a vetted platform of entrepreneurs, creatives, and professionals who are committed to making the future brighter for us all. People like you. On the network, you can ask questions and find help with projects share trusted resources, request and attempt workshops, expand your network of thought leaders, and learn from the experience of others to catalyze your work, interests, and passion projects. This is a place where all of us who are doing something to improve the world, large and small, can flourish. The $35 a month membership fee includes attendance to exclusive monthly happiness hours, where you can hear from amazing speakers and influencers. It includes participation in monthly community challenges that will improve your own life and the world around you. You'll have access to the network's mentor match service to grow exponentially in your insight and decision making. And you'll get automatic discounts on all of our courses and events. So join us, co-conspirators for goodness around the world. Those who are doing anything they can to make the world a better place are coming together on this network to collaborate and it is time we find each other. Go to conspiracyofgoodnessnetwork.com for a simple three-step questionnaire to apply to be a member today. Let's connect, collaborate, and change the future. Okay, we're back. So Stephanie, I had to take a break there because I could tell we were going to go down a a wonderful avenue here with people. So when you had to make these very difficult decisions, you you surrounded yourself with the best minds that you could, Mm -hmm. got really curious. I'm sure you asked a bunch of questions. You didn't listen to the scariest stories your mind was telling you. You just looked at the advice you're getting and the probability. Tell me, tell me how that works, because I, I, I'm sure you've learned to control what what the stories you're telling yourself are. Right?
0: Yes. So, I mean, there's always a negative path or outcome, pretty much to any decision. I think, whether that be a smaller negative outcome, or whether it be something as extreme as you know a surgery going wrong. But what I do is I, I not only get as much information as I can, but I try to envision both outcomes and say, like, seeing which one seems more probable, which one seems more worth it, which one feels just right to my mind, my gut, you know, which one feels like the path that I believe in, that I want to pursue. Then I surround myself with as much positive outcomes as I can. So, When I was going into my above knee amputation or making that decision, I literally went on my social media accounts and I followed as many above knee amputees as I could. Right, and I'm looking at everything they're doing. I'm looking at the prosthetics they're wearing because everything changes. And I'm like, oh, these girls still look beautiful. Oh, she's still walking. You know, look at everything they're doing. They're traveling. They're working. They're laughing. They're you know everything. And I just got to the point where my social media feed was just above knee amputee after above knee amputee. And I'm like, I can do this. You know, I can be one of these people. And when you envision it, I, I have a firm belief that our minds have this huge connection with our body. And the more we believe in something, the better chance we have to heal and to adapt to it.
1: Oh, that is such an important piece of advice right now. I'm not sure I will ever forget the story that you just told <laughs> we tend to do the opposite stuff. We tend to go on social media and and look to like prove the opposite to be true, mm-hmm. that it's going to be horrible, mm-hmm. that it's going to be a bad outcome, that the people are that might be helping us you know we tend to go to social media and find the negative instead of exactly what yes. you said
0: I think I try to ask myself. Especially at the beginning. So when I was first hurt and I, I remember going on social media for the very first time after waking up in a hospital. And of course, it was not right away because I, my arms were both in cast. so I obviously wasn't using a phone. So I had been transferred to another It was my second hospital and I'm on social media for the first time and I'm only seeing perfectly healthy people before me and I could not go back onto it and then it wasn't right away but i realized like i need something to change right i i need i need something i can't go on there and leave feeling anxious and sad and bad about myself and the first time i noticed that i was happy <laughs> with who i was was actually after scrolling through a social media thing and i realized that it was perfectly split between people from what i now call my past life which was me walking being the carefree person that I was before and my new life and it was all these new influencers and all these new people some of them that I knew some of them that I didn't and they're in wheelchairs or they're wearing prosthetic legs or they have different handicaps or you know they're sharing an illness or a story or a recovery and I was able to go on and not feel bad about myself and it actually made me more comfortable with who I was was these people that I've never even met sharing their life in a wheelchair how they feel beautiful how they change the world and I it's when my whole definition of not only myself but of what it means to have a disability it completely changed through my social media accounts which is pretty wild to think about but the power these people and these accounts have to change your own self-perception, your definition of what you're able to do, it's incredibly powerful. I mean, social media is not all bad. That is an amazing thing that can be done through it.
1: Okay. So this is super important, what you just touched on.
0: So some
1: people listening to this podcast will know I published a book called happiness is an option. And in that book, I teach people what I learned about the secrets of the internet, going from an ordinary web user in 2013 to the last TED event I spoke to, they called me a positive media mogul. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's a gap for you. So in my journey, in the book, Happiness is an Option, I teach people what I learned about the internet. One of the things I learned was that we are the author of what we see on the screens in our life. Mm -hmm. Every single thing we clicked on last gets reflected in what our algorithms serve us next. And I think the story you just told probably proves that to some point because, Mm -hmm. and I also, I teach these things called the four shifts where we need to pause before we click on things and decide whether we really need to see that thing. Second, we need to ignore more, ignore a lot more, Third, we need to seek signs of goodness and progress. And fourth, we need to share it. Do you think actually what happened with your social media, you said it was about half your old life and half your new life, was influenced by A, you started to pause and not click on things you used to click on. Mm -hmm. B, you you started to ignore more from your former life because it seemed so shallow, I would say. And then most importantly, you started seeking signs of goodness and progress. You started following all these people. And so your algorithms Mm -hmm. started serving you a different worldview. Am I right?
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't even just me. Of course, eventually became all the people that I followed. But like you said, as I began to even just look at different things, my recommended pages to follow were no longer only things that reminded me of who I had once been, but my new recommendations were now who I was becoming, right? So it was as if they were reading what I was trying to, what I wanted to see. And it was the most helpful thing that I think had happened. Yeah. So,
1: so I think what, what you're saying is that with we don't all have to go through some tragedy to decide mm-hmm. that what we want to see on the screens in our life should be entirely different, right? We, right. we can make those choices day by day
0: and mm-hmm. things actually change. Yes, exactly. If you leave your social media and you feel anxious or you don't feel good about yourself, maybe think of something that makes you happy and look for that and add that onto your feed so that it's one more thing that's going to make you feel good when you go on there.
1: Oh, this is so great. Okay. So Stephanie contacted me recently to say I'm back after, you know, all all that she'd been through and she was ready to reignite our friendship. And I asked her a few questions in an email and she sent me the most extraordinary stream of consciousness. (laughs) I asked her a few questions and she just, Wow, just flowed right into that with some wonderful things that she she told me about. And I want to ask you about all three because they were so fabulous. So one of the things you talked about was our inner thoughts when we're faced with a challenge are crucial. Mm
0: -hmm. So crucial. (laughs) I was realizing that every single time I was faced with something challenging, my very first thoughts were going to what it would not only look like, but what it would feel like when I failed. So I'm envisioning myself failing. I'm picturing to the point where I'm actually feeling it, the embarrassment, the shame, what other people are going to think about me, what it's even going to look like. And then I realized, well, why aren't I envisioning success? You know, why am I immediately going to the negative? So if we are conscious of our first inner thoughts, and we notice what they're going to we're able to switch them around right so if we notice we're thinking about failure stop it right there <laughs> don't go any further start envisioning success think about how you're going to feel think about what that success will allow you to do think about how great you know think about every think about why you're doing it too and then when when you're feeling that when you're feeling the success before you even given your first attempt, you're by far more driven, you're more motivated, you're going to work harder. It's it it changes everything. And I
1: imagine that 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 awareness didn't come overnight, you probably had to, you were probably triggered to think the negative and the failure over and over again, But then you tell us a little bit about how you make that bridging change.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think especially As a young female, I had grown up always concerning myself with what other people were thinking, always concerning myself with how I looked, what their impressions of me were, thinking that was what almost thinking their impressions was contingent also with my worth, my value. And I had to sort of tell myself, well, you know, they might think something if you fail, but aren't they also going to be thinking things if you're not trying So, and then why does it matter what they're thinking if you have these goals and you know that overcoming this challenge is going to improve your life? Why are you worrying about anything else, (laughs) right? So you have to sort of address where the fear is coming from, I think, and then slowly start to pause and then push them away a little bit and focus on something new. And it takes time, but it does get so much easier until, you know, and then it starts to come without thought.
1: Yeah. So there is a time, this is what I tell people about the four shifts is that there, it sounds complex, pause, ignore more, seek signs of goodness and share it. But my brain doesn't work that way anymore. It just automatically does it because the system right. reinforces itself. Once, once you have success, right?
0: You yes, don't, you don't exactly. have to consciously
1: think that way anymore.
0: Yeah. It just, you did it. So it's going, it's going to continue.
1: Okay, good, because that's really reassuring for people in the early stages if people start trying to listen to what their head talk is saying. So that goes right into the second thing that Mm -hmm. you mentioned in your email, that failure can be an opportunity.
0: Right. I learned that over and over and over again throughout this. I certainly don't think I got anything right (laughs) first on the first try, but what did happen was we would sit back and we'd say, okay, where where did we go wrong? It started from the simplest things of let's sit up today (laughs) and realizing, oh, okay, I just fell back. I, I fell down. You know, what step was the one that did me in, right? So you had to break everything down into smaller pieces and say, okay, I've mastered these ones. This is where I went wrong. Let's regroup. Let's make a new plan. Let's try again.
1: Yes, because that is your third Concept yes. that you tell me about is <laughs> the is breaking of things down to little pieces, right? Talk to me about that.
0: If we, if we don't break, you know, if whether it's a challenge or it's a new task or you know whatever it may be, there is times where if we worry about too much, we become so nervous, so anxious, so overwhelmed that we end up not trying at all. The problem is too big. <laughs> the worries are too big you're just so nervous that you literally become paralyzed you just you can't face all of that at the same time so again back to not being able to sit upright i remember laying there in the hospital and thinking i'm never going to walk again i'm never going to get out of the hospital i'm not going to have a career i'm not going to have a family i'm not going to have a life you know i'm was getting so ahead of myself with things that didn't even matter yet weren't even relevant yet i said stuff you can't even sit up yet. (laughs) Let's start there. So you do one small little piece and you master it. And then you say, now what? And you do the next. And then they just start to eventually just flow together where all of a sudden you look back and the big problem that was so overwhelming that you couldn't even face it is you've done it because you broke it into little manageable pieces and you weren't even paying attention to... The fact that you were one step away until all of a sudden you'd already done it.
1: And then you, you you wrote in your email, then I found myself wondering, what else could I do?
0: Exactly. Like I said, you know, people are telling me you're never going to walk again. And I couldn't shake the thought of, but what if I can? And that's when I realized if if we only do what we are absolutely sure that we can do, we're always going to wonder, what else can I do? What else could I have done? But if we just stop where we, it was easy, it was done, did it quick, first try, all done. You're just gonna wonder, what more could I have done? So that also brings me into another thought I actually had this morning. It's like, there's this difference between being, I think happy and being content. And there's a way to be both. And I think we can only be both happy with our lives and content with who we are and where we're at. If we've stepped into challenges, if we stepped out of our comfort zone, then we know that we have done all that we can do and we're, we're where we should be.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (sighs) Absolutely.
0: So that brings me to a a fourth
1: point that you brought in there, this response to challenges, you know, you, you mentioned that life doesn't always go according to plan. It's okay to right. redefine ourselves mm-hmm. and change with it and set, set a new plan.
0: You could do right. you could set a new plan every day. I mean, tell us more about that. I think at young ages, even we're expected to have a plan and maybe it gets instilled in our minds that if we stray from that plan that we failed or that we're not going on the correct path, but we're constantly changing. And I think, we should be constantly changing. I mean, as we grow, our interests change, we learn new things, our values might change. Whatever it may be, it is okay to say, I don't think this is the path that I want to be on. And even if you don't know right away the path you do want to be on, if you do, great. But if you don't, we have to know that it's okay to take time for ourselves to say, right now, I'm I'm just going to see what interests me? What makes me feel alive? What inspires me? And I'm gonna come up with a new plan. I'm before I even got hurt. This was a big chapter in my life already because I might have told you this the very first time we met. Right before it wasn't long before our accident, I had I had been out of college and I realized that I was not happy and I could see there was taking a toll on my mental health and that it was just. It it wasn't the path that I wanted to be on any longer. And I had to make this huge, (laughs) felt like a drastic change. And I called up my family and I said, I think I need to move back home. And I took one semester off from college and it felt like the biggest failure of my lifetime at first. I remember being, and I didn't even want to be seen out in public, right? I'm thinking, this isn't what people do. People don't take time off. You know, you make a plan and you stick to it. That's what you're supposed to do. So I felt like a failure, and I took that one bit of time off, and I re-found myself. I mean, I found who I wanted to be, where I wanted to see myself go, and it was the best thing I'd ever done for myself, because I set myself on a new path that was right for me.
1: <laughs> that is, that's, that's as big of a learning as, as any, any of us will ever get, just in that one little section of our chat today. I also wanted to comment before we wrap up and I can already tell, I know I say this on every podcast. (laughs) We didn't get to even talk about some of the things that I had planned to talk about. So we're going to have you back another time, Steph, because you, you are a, you are a real guide for us all. Thank you. That light. I want you to share something. I, I asked you in the email, you know, how can your experiences help others? Like what do you wish that we all knew? what you've been to the edge and back.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What do you wish we all knew?
0: Well, I think everything we've talked about today is all stuff that I wish I had known. (laughs) You know, I wish I had known it's okay to redefine yourself. It's okay to step into a new person instead of focusing only on getting back to who you were. I mean, I know I told you this. I, it's a quick little thing. I remember being in the hospital and saying, okay, I'm an amputee. I'm going to get cosmetic prosthetic legs and they're going to look like my old legs. I'm going to go back home and I'm never going to talk about it. And eventually people will forget. <laughs> and that's not realistic. <laughs> I mean, it was a huge change in my life. I am not the same anymore. Just because if I had covered up my missing limbs doesn't mean that I would have been the same. And I, why would I have wanted to stay the same when I've seen all this growth, right? So I think I wish I had known that right from the beginning, that we are allowed to take time to redefine ourselves and to set out a new path. I also have learned lots about disability that I wish I had known also before that. I hope people continue to learn because I know that we're always evolving with the disability community and perceptions of it. But I do hope that I can continue to share that you know, we're capable of as much as we and our minds allow ourselves to be. Lovely. Absolutely lovely. So I mentioned this book
1: that I hope is published within the next, maybe four to six months, maybe something I like that. I so. think
0: I think that's the plan. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a title yet? I do have an idea. We're thinking possibly without warning with a good subtitle, but yeah. we'll be, t- I, I we have an appointment Wednesday, so we'll be great talking options then.
1: Great, great, great! I also think for sure you probably have a TED talk in you. <laughs> Thank you. I can't wait to the day I, I see you on a TED stage. I
0: Thank some people you so know much. I
1: I just recently released a TEDx talk where I was the the final talk for a marvelous TEDx event in Naperville, Illinois, one of the oldest and largest in the country. And my talk is called "Exposing the Conspiracy of Goodness."
0: I love that. So,
1: I can't help but listen to you for an hour and think about the conspiracy of goodness of our times. There's such a negative drumbeat mm-hmm. about how terrible the world is and how terrible we all are to each other, but that's not who you that's not what you've experienced right. being in a world for the last many years where you counted on others, large and small just. Mm-hmm people that were just kind in a store and people that did the very best incredible surgery you could ever do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a minute to tell the story of the conspiracy of goodness that I discovered when I, when I discovered that that phrase where the origin of that phrase, and then I'm going to ask you to help us more appreciate the conspiracy of goodness in our lives. So here's the story of the conspiracy of goodness that we are championing at ever widening circles. Not many people know that during World War II, there was a tiny, French village called Le Chambon, France, that managed to save 3,500 Jews from the concentration camps. Now this was without any formal organization and at great risk to their own lives. The people in Le Chambon saved thousands, mostly orphans, for a few years. And in 1987, this rabbi, Harold Schillweiss, was giving a talk about that chapter of history, and he called his talk, The Conspiracy of Evil. And he said that At the end of the talk, an old man stood up in the back of the room who said he was one of the Dutch rescuers who had saved a family. And the old man asked, why does everyone focus on the conspiracy of evil that was World War II? He said, do you think I could have saved an entire family without the active cooperation of the milkman, the mailman, and the neighbors? No, he said, for every one person saved, there were seven who were rescuers. It was a conspiracy of goodness. So that's the first origin of that phrase that I can find. And I would imagine along the way, you have run into one person after another that has pointed to the fact that the world we see on the internet and the news is not the the world that is actually happening in most of our daily lives.
0: Right. I mean, I remember thinking for a little wild you know the world is a terrible place <laughs> after i got hurt i said you know this this what happened to me is terrible and it's because people are terrible and the world is terrible <laughs> and it was miserable thinking that way and it was also ignorance i mean on my part to focus on one thing that had happened to me and not every single action throughout every single day that were proving the exact opposite what about This stranger that drove me in a pickup truck to the hospital. (laughs) What about the Bahamian strangers who jumped off their boat, ran to mine and found me? (laughs) What about the doctors that say it's about my life? It was to say that I did this fight or whatever this is called (laughs) on my own is the furthest thing from the truth. It has been countless people, some of whom I know, some of whom I don't know and they did it for some people helped me as a stranger some people helped me as a patient some people helped me as a family member and they all were selfless in it it wasn't you know it it's it blows my mind how good people have been throughout this and focusing on pain that happened to me would just not be the truth it would be the slightest fraction of a bigger story <laughs>
1: Now I got goosebumps head toe, (laughs) head toe. (laughs) Thank you so much, Stephanie. Okay. Two final questions. One, where can people connect with you? Because you would love to do more and more public speaking. Yes. And where can people connect with you if, if they'd like you to speak for their organization or group?
0: Well, I do always have my personal Instagram, which is just my name. And I do also have a website, which doesn't yet have a speaking platform, but will be updated soon. So it's StephFindsNewRoads.com. So that is the website. And that's S-T-E-F, correct? Yes. Steph with an F and then Finds New Roads.
1: Great. All right. Great. And lastly, the, the question I ask everybody at the end of my interviews is, you may know at Ever Widening Circles, our byline is, it is still an amazing world. What proves to you that it's still an amazing world stuff?
0: I think, you know, we have this almost innate human ability to adapt and to overcome and to even thrive in the face of challenge or something negative. You know, we have we have the mindsets, the skills, the people that are gifted in other ways. You know, we're all these unique human beings and together we can do pretty much anything. You know, we can overcome not only our own struggles and our own personal little worlds, but the big problems that our society faces, our world faces. We can, we have these human gifted abilities and mindsets where when we work together, we're capable to do so much.
1: And that does prove it is still an amazing world. Yes. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you, know, you for, for more having information me. information about Steph's work and anything we mentioned, check out the show notes for all the links and some of these quotes. And uh, the, the team that does this for us, for the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, they do an amazing job. So you can even find certain things in the show notes that you want to refer back to certain sections that Steph talked about. And thanks to our affiliate partners for proving it is still an amazing world too. You can find information about today's featured partner in the show notes below as well. And by visiting everwideningcircles.com backslash partners. So as always, dive into Ever Widening Circles, the website, you can find it easily at ewc.co. And there every other day, we publish an article about anything under the sun. To prove it is still an amazing world. And you will find a spring in your step. Now, I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week. If you're someone doing good in the world, check out the Conspiracy of Goodness Network, where people like Steph and I and countless others are meeting and changing the world together with our collaborations and our connections. Thanks so much. Thank you, Steph. Have a great week.
0: Thank you so much.